Welcome to the Rockin' Movies podcast. I'm Carla X. Lopez, your host. Thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate it. As uh, this podcast is gaining more listeners, I appreciate everybody's you know listening and any positive feedback, um, liking it, sharing it. If you have any suggestions or any you know bands or movies you want me to review, anything like that, shoot me an email at carloxlopez at rockinmovies.com. But got a lot to talk about today, so it's been about two weeks since I, since I did the last cast, so just a lot of stuff going on. But but you know I you know I'm gonna get to the reviews of Unforgivable, Spider Man, No Way Home, um, you know. But I do want to review you know a concert, you know George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyers. But before we begin, you know the reviews and all of that, just wanted to touch base on two losses in the art world and. Um, huge losses for me, especially, you know, it's two people that passed away that were very influential on music and books and, and, a, and an author. Um, one of my favorite authors, Anne Rice, and I'll go into her here in a second and Vicente Fernandez. So just really, you know, I want to give my condolences to, you know, Christopher Rice and of course, you know, the families of both and Rice and Vicente Fernandez, because both of them were very important. And and if you know either, hopefully you do, or you should have heard their names. <laughs> anyway, I mean, Anne Rice, let's start with Anne Rice, just one of my favorite authors. And I started reading her around 30 years ago with Interview with the Vampire. My, my roommate at the time, Andy Rodriguez, uh, you know, one of my bros, he just, he, he turned me on to it. He said, Hey, have you ever read Anne Rice? And I said, no, I haven't, you know? And, and he's like, Hey, start reading, start reading her. She's really good. And I said, all right, well, I started with the interview with the vampire and, you know, and I started reading her thanks to Andy, probably 1992, 91, 92, around that time. So around 30 years of, of this life that I've been reading her, um, she has written over 36 novels, you know, so I started reading Interview with the Vampire, which was, you know, published in 1976. So she's had a really good long career and she just passed away, unfortunately, of a stroke this past week. Um, and. But the way she wrote, I just really liked it. You know, she had this romantic, really nice style of writing and if you ever felt like an outsider or, or you had a, a, a different lifestyle choice or whatever you could relate to some of the stuff that she wrote in her characters and uh, she wrote the vampire chronicles which really consists of so many different vampire books interview with the vampire vampire lestat which she kind of mingled music you know rock and roll music with with vampire lestat and a vampire book that was very cool. And if you ever read the book, you know, hopefully you will, you know, it, but it's, you know, he wants to, the vampires to be outed kind of, so it's his story and it's, he's just becomes pretty much the main character throughout the rest of the way. Uh, tell the body thief, there's some questions on God and the devil and Memnock the devil. Uh, this, and then she has her witching chronicles, you know, the, the witching, uh, our, the Taltos, Lasher, she has, uh, you know, written these witches. I mean, just really, she has a nice flow on that, but she's so descriptive in her writing. And, you know, she writes a lot about New Orleans and these big homes and, and the architecture. She, she's very 
historic. So when she writes, it's like you 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 feel like you're there when she writes. Just it sometimes can be a little hard to get into it, but once you're in it, you're in it. I mean, she's got some, you know, great, you know, I don't know, values in her books that I think are great. Um, you know, she has, you know, the Wolf Chronicles, she has the Mummy, you know, books as well, Ramses the Dead, Ramses the Dead. She's written so many different types of books. She's written as, you know, three authors, you know, just pseudonames or, you know, whatever the, you know, thing that she does. She did her erotic books on, on you know, Sleeping Beauty. Uh, she's written some other things and, and other books, obviously. And then she um, found her love for Jesus and wrote about Jesus Christ and a couple of books there in between it. And she had some backlash with her vampire and witching fans, you know, and I remember that. And what was cool is I, I, you know, I would follow her. And back then on the, you know, on the websites and the emails and her website, you could email her and she would respond and talk to you or, you know, and, and I, I got to write her and I wrote her about how I thought it took courage and strength to write about, to do an about face and write about Jesus Christ, you know, and I just, I was impressed because not a lot of people would do that. They stick with the same formula. They'll keep doing the same kind of books. They keep doing the same kind of stuff. And granted for some, it works, but it's about evolving or do it, trying something different. And she did that. So she wrote these books in between that. She took a break from the vampires and all that. Eventually she got back to that and she's got her own journey. Researcher. She's got her own journey of why she did what she did. Uh, but I did, write her and I emailed her and I wrote her and she wrote me back. And I thought that was pretty cool because she told me that when the creator of the universe, you know, puts you in a direction to write a certain thing, you better not let him down. So I thought that was cool. She wrote me and she actually sent me some stuff. And then she sent me some angels, like some angel stickers that she signed for me. And she sent that to me. So, you know, I thought that was pretty cool for me. And I thought, and I and I'll and I'll shoot a picture on the website, so because I still have those stickers that she sent me, and um, and she signed them, and I do have a signed book copy from her on one of her later books. Uh, so just Anne Rice was just something special, and and that to me is is a big loss for the, you know, books in general, the literary world, whatever you want to call it. Just that she was something special because the, the, you know, what she wrote kind of her topics and some people might not get what she was doing. I did. And I just have to say, you know, Hey, I'm pretty honest, open with everybody, my friends, all of you that are listening, uh, on my own personal addictions. And honestly, when I went back to try to, you know, clean up or do what I got to do to, to, to live healthy, <laughs> I decided, you know, I, I was, and I bought like three of her books that I kept there. You know, I had a blood canicle. There was a couple of books about Lestat that I hadn't, you know, Black Blackwood Farm. And I just, I hadn't read them. And then in this transition of my life, you know, praying and trying to change um, because of my past. And we all have past, whatever. But just reading the, the Vampire Lestat and, and what he was going through and, and the character I just felt like, holy shit, you know, <laughs> like this is, it was, it felt like it was tied to me. Like she wrote those words for me. 
I know that's selfish because she wrote them for everybody, but everybody takes those words and applies it to their own life or maybe the lessons in that story, right? That was me. I, I really, truly thanked her for that because I was able to tell her how I felt about the character and myself and, and, and our journey forward to get back to a certain point. And so that was just amazing to me that she responded back and I was able to do that. So God bless Anne Rice, you know, great words, you know, great books. I just rebought the first four in the Vampire Chronicles. We'll reread them. Um, so it's it's uh, it's sad for me because of who she was and, and all the good things that I felt she did for me. So, but that's, you know, God bless her. Now, moving on to some mariachi you know, one of the greats, Vicente Fernandez, you know, Vicente Fernandez, 81 years old, Chente, El Rey de la Musica Ranchera, right? I, and that's about as Mexican as I'm going to sound because I love his music. And I promise I, I won't lie to you. I, I don't know every single word. You know, I've drank a lot of tequila and I've sang a lot of mariachi songs. Did I know what I was singing? No, no, probably not. But there ain't no doubt that this guy, Vicente Fernandez was, I mean, I think the best Mexican musician of all, you know, the, the, they called him the Frank Sinatra in the Mexican world, but he was just a powerful force, sold 50 million albums. Just, he, he also had a good movie career, you know, for 20 years. And he started in, you know, uh, all of these movies. He, he just, you know, retired because he wanted to do, you know, more, music and so he did over 50 albums of music and then he did over 30 films in a 20-year career that's that's pretty pretty good he has a star on hollywood walk of fame uh first movie he came out in was called tacos al carbon hey man you know i love tacos al carbon if you know me and i love the food man. but you know he just uh he was something special you know he had three grammy wins he had nine latin wins he's he was nominated so many times and, um, you know, any party, you know, any good times when you have mariachi music, it's just, I feel like Vicente Fernandez was the best of all of that. And his voice was legendary, powerful, 5'7". And that voice came out of a 5'7". And I ain't saying nothing about being a little shorter because I love my 5'7 my, my friends out there. But this guy had... I mean, he's powerful, and then he has sons that are great as well. And he just had this career in movies, in music, concerts, and touring, and just the the power that he was. And for you know, like someone like me who's Mexican American, you know, Hispanic, you know, I love our culture. I may not understand a lot of the words and all that, but trust me, I love my culture. And it's a good culture. And check out Vicente Fernandez if you've never heard him because the music is just being here in Texas. One time was Mexico. Living in San Antonio area, just the culture of mariachis and growing so worldwide on, on a, a great level that it's a music that needs to be appreciated, loved, and and listen to and man if you have a party or you have a barbecue or you have a quinchinetta a sweet sick man get yourself some mariachis because that's going to liven it up 
it'll it, it is fun to, to listen to that but Vicente Fernandez was you know something special and I can tell you just a little quick story you know me and I'm going to tell you some stories but the story is that you know when I was a young kid my my cousin's grandmother Florinda Cantu as her name Florinda and I just met one maybe a month and a half two months ago another Florinda that I haven't heard that name so when I was a kid growing up my I considered her like my grandma as well but she would teach me Spanish and when she passed there went my Spanish teacher man so you know she was teaching me numbers letters and everything and she was she was a sweetheart to me well mom I mean she was up in her 80s and 90s and my mom we, we would take her to the the Mexican theater down in Corpus Christi Texas it was called the tower and the tower theater was just predominantly just Spanish movies Cantiflas Vicente Fernandez. we would take her to all these movies with Vicente Fernandez and it just, I remember those days and, and could I tell you any of those titles of the movies? No, I was too young, you know, but I remember the experience and I remember taking my, my, well, Florinda, my grandma, you know, and taking her to that theater, getting her some candies and hanging out, watching some Mexican movies that, you know, were, were, were cinema and we enjoyed it. It was great because, you know, we would sit there and talk and then my mom and her would converse and I, you know, in Spanish and, and, you know, me, I probably didn't understand much of that. First of all, I was just happy to get the hell out of the, the projects, you know, <laughs> get to a movie, man, you know, that is anything to get out. I, I'll go sit through a Spanish movie. And, but it was, uh, it was a good time to, to, to remember that. So Vicente Fernandez, you know, God bless you and your family and what you brought to, you know, music and cinema what you brought to, you know, the industry in your industry, because you, you, you dominated it. You were El Rey and there ain't nobody else going to be like that. Nobody, you know, so here's to El Rey. And if you guys drink tequila, take a shot for him out there. Have a good time. Anyway, um, moving on. So I'm going to get to my concert review of the week. And that is George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyers. I'm going to post some photos on the website as well. You want to check it out. Um, And it's great. Once again, COVID is just rearing its ugly head. And this is not a political show. I don't, your beliefs, hey, I respect them, you know, but be careful when you go out. Do what you got to do to protect yourself. You know, now I have some immediate family members that have it. So I'm, I'm sending prayers, you know, to my brother and, and uh his his i guess wife or whatever but um just know that it's out there be careful so when you go out there do what you got to do to take care of yourself but go to these facilities that are kind of protecting themselves and and the tobin center is where we went to go watch george thorogood now the story of george thorogood for me is good old bluesy rock and roll slide guitar this dude is 71 years old and he's still bringing it and so I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a lifelong fan, first of all, because back in the 80s, I mean, bad to the bone where, you know, just the movies that that came out into, Christine, bad to the bone when it starts off. Christine wouldn't be the same without that. Terminator, bad to the bone. You know, I mean, bad to the bone, right? MTV with Bo Diddley in the, in the video. And Bo Diddley, a great blues artist, Love Roadrunner, love Bo Diddley. So if you want to hear some old school blues, rock and roll, listen to the Bo Diddley, you know. And uh, but anyway, so getting back to the concert, you know, it you know it's a, it's a great facility to go watch a show. And I've talked about the Tobin Center, and I will all, 
keep talking about this theater because it's amazing. Um, 71 years old. So, so I mean, he did all of his great hits, um, comes out, uh, and, and, you know, Stephen Fowler, the opener, uh, he's another blues guy from Florida that, I mean, he, he's got it, man. And, and this kid is, is I bought the last album from, you know, the last tour when I saw George Thorogood, he ended up, um, uh, touring with them as well. And so his music is just, it's, it's really some good stuff. And, uh, he's a blues guy, but he, he opens up, he opens up for George. And, and so he did that last time. And so, but watching this kid play was blues is really good. So check him out. He's, he's a, uh, a good, good opener for sure. And then George comes on and George has a great show. It, he gets the crowd into it. He's there to rock and roll. He's there for a rock and roll street party. He's there to have a good time and it shows. And the band itself, you know, with, with, uh, George Thorogood, he's just, uh, he's just one of those guys. He's like Sammy Hagar. I just saw him a week and a half ago. How, how lucky is this two weeks been for me? And, and so George Thorogood, I, I got to tell you a story about George, you know, back in August 2nd, 1982, long time ago he you know he was playing in corpus christi at the ritz theater and and so me my brother eric and our friend david and i think my cousin jerry we were you know poor poor lametskin kids man let's just call it what it is we were driving in my mom's 1981 mercury cougar you know cougar it was, it was white and so we're driving and we're going down the streets downtown cruising and, and so all of a sudden we take a, a, a left turn and so all of a sudden in front of the Omni, I think it was the Omni Hotel back in the day is Omni or something like that. But um, guess who's standing outside? It's back in 1982, bad to the bone, all that was new. And he's sitting outside with his snakeskin boots and his guitar. One guitar in his hand and a snakeskin jacket, or at least it looked real, you know, right? But he was standing down there in a corner by himself. Nobody was with him. He was waiting for his ride so they can go pick him up to go take him to the show there at the Ritz. And sure enough, Eric and me, we pull over, we bolt out, and we went up to George and we started talking to George Thorogood. And I would love to tell this story to George to see if he actually remembers. I mean, I imagine all the encounters this dude's had. But, you know, <clears throat> for us, when we went to talk to him, I mean, he was the coolest guy. You know, I mean, talk about, you know, just standing there cool as can be bad to the bone with his guitar snakeskin boots je you know jeans and snakeskin jacket just chilling you know talking to us like we were just normal people and for us as poor kids man for us that meant a lot it was such a that i've been a fan ever since because of of the kindness that he showed us and that he was such a humble person as a rocker and you know, he wasn't like, get away from me, kids. He didn't have this entourage. He was straight up by himself. And so he asked us, hey, you can go to the, you know, concert. And we're like, man, we'd love to. But, man, we ain't got no change in the pocket. We ain't got no money. Sure enough, man, he just, he goes, hey, I'm going to put you on the list. Got our names. He's like, you're in. Don't come to the show tonight. And we're like, all right. And, man, we hauled ass. We took off. And my brother freaking in Corpus, there's some downtown streets, you know, one ways and things. And 
He takes a right turn. We're going the wrong direction. All these cars are coming at us. I mean, straight out of a movie, man. And, and these curbs down in Corpus, and they're probably like a foot or a foot and a half high. And it's like a perfect cut where you have to turn right perfect inside this, you know, the to turn around, you know. And and sure enough, you know, we Eric tried to turn. My brother's name is Eric. He tries to turn. And he hits the freaking tire on that thing and blew it out, man. And we and back then you didn't have cell phones. You, I mean, we had to walk home just to get, you know, a tire and just to get that car fixed. And we had to go and find my mom and we had to walk and we're downtown. So we missed the show. We didn't get to go. And I was so mad. I was pissed at my brother, Eric, and you idiot, man, taking a right turn on, you know, freaking one way, you know. Uh, so we didn't get to see the show. However, it took. Almost 13 years later, and I'd finally get to see George Thorogood at the Naval Air Station with my friends, John Bryan and, and, and Michael Flores. We went and saw a big concert. It was August 4th, 1995. It was at the Naval Air Station with, with Hart and Doc. And, and it was part of a Texas, light up Texas kind of firework thing. That Miller Light, I think it was Miller Light, they did it. And then all the big cities had concerts. And then they all did the fireworks at the same time. So at the satellite, you can look it up online and you can see the Texas light up in fireworks because from the satellites. And it was such a cool event to be part of. And that concert, I don't know, it's about 50, 50 to 100,000 people there. It was huge. It was great. And he tore it up. And I've seen him a few times since. I have not have not been able to do a meet and greet. At some point, I will invite him on the show for sure. I'm going to contact his management and do that. But the cool side note on George Thorogood is he's got a guitar player named Jim Schuler. And Jim Schuler was part of the Monkey Beat. Jim Schuler and the Monkey Beat. That down in, in Corpus, Dr. Rockets in the 90s, he had Jim Schuler and the Monkey Beat. So I was a fan of that band and I'd follow them. So anytime they'd go play at, you know, Dr. Rockets, I would go and and hang out, drink some beers, watch the show by myself or in with anybody. I just, this dude was amazing blues guitarist. And so Dr. Rockets would always have him there, and I would go see Jim Schuler and the Monkey Beat. Well, now he's the rhythm guitar player for George Thorogood. So it, it's it's cool because sometimes I can still yell. Schuler, monkey beat or something, you know, whatever, you know me, I'm going to get all crazy and I'm going to, you know, have a good time in, in the show. Once again, it's cool to see that because he's, a, he's from Dallas. So, uh, I don't know if he was born there, but that's where he would come from, you know, so talking to him and, and just, uh, being able to, you know, hang out with him in the past. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a good thing for him to be part of George Thorogood. So, what a great rock and roll show. If you get a chance to see them, go check them out. Go, go, you know, or other blues artists, but certainly check them out before because he's 71 years old. Man, some of these dudes are getting older. You know, I don't know how much longer we're going to have them, but it's a blessing that we do. So I definitely will keep supporting them and hopefully he'll come back so I can get to see him again. But anyway, that is definitely a full, full bag of candies for sure. All right, so moving on. Let's. Uh, I want to talk about two two movies for the movie reviews. Um, un, uh, it's it's Sandra Bullock's new movie, Unforgivable, and it's um, it was uh, it's brought by Netflix. So I, I I will review different movies on different platforms, and but definitely the Unforgivable, Sandra Bullock. You know, I'm going to give it three fourths bag of candy. It's definitely, it's definitely a, a entertaining movie. It's got a fun little twist. Uh, she's in the, you know, in the can for about 20 years, and she gets out, and she's a cop killer, and 
So it's her trying to get back into society with her probation officer and everything. So she goes, you know, through this journey of trying to reenter society. Right. And I mean, it's a sad story and man, she looks rough in this movie. I mean, they kind of let her look rough, you know, and that is more believable. That's Sandra Bullock and has the great Vincent D'Onofrio, you know, and it's directed by a Nora Fingscheidt. So, so to my German fan, maybe that's a German name. I don't know. <laughs> or to, you know, but that is the director, you know, and, and so Viola Dav Davis is in this movie as well, but Vincent D'Onofrio is really good in this movie just as well as anything he does. <clears throat> so unforgivable, you know, I'm gonna give it three, four, the bag of the candies. It's, it's a pretty, pretty entertaining movie. I think you would, you would enjoy it. So, um, and if you're a Sandra Bullock fan, you'll, you'll love it. If you're not, well, you probably won't. Uh, it is, there is some emotional parts to it as well. And so good job to Netflix because some of the movies they do come out with are, are pretty decent. So good, good one to check out. And, um, <clears throat> which leads me to, to, Spider-Man, No Way Home. All right. I could talk forever about this. And I purposely put Spider-Man, No Way Home at the end because I am going to give a little bit of spoilers. Now, there's a lot of spoilers out there already. Spider-Man, No Way Home. It's the newest Spider-Man movie. Um, I'm going to talk a, a few things here real quick. You know, first of all, Hawkeye, episode five. If you haven't seen it yet, maybe this is the point where you maybe log off or pause or go watch them uh netflix came out with you know their daredevil you know luke cage defenders punisher you know uh iron fist jessica jones they had their own little universe which is tied kind of the main one but some people said no well vincent d'onofrio is kingpin he's i mean this dude is kingpin he's like iron man is robert downey jr you know He's, he's just so good at Kingpin. And I had been, you know, I knew that Netflix had a, hey, you cannot put any of these characters into movies or shows for over two years. Two years, that was the deal. And sure enough, those two years have passed. Well, Hawkeye number five finally did it. You know, there's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm spoiling it. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio, Kingpin in it. Oh my gosh, I... I just, my hand went up straight up, like, you know, uh, breakfast club at the end, boom, you know, uh, but as far as, you know, so that gave me some hope on this Spider-Man that we would see Matt Murdock in some form in the Daredevil, you know, and there's a lot of guest stars and, in, in Spider-Man and No Way Home. So it, it does truly kind of connect to the past to the other Spider-Man movies and Amazing Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's characters. The movie itself is what movies should be. Um, it's it's just a fun, exciting, <laughs> awesome movie. It's got heart. It, you know, obviously, it's, it, well, not obviously, you may not know, but it stars Tom Holland, Zendaya, Benedict Cumberbatch, or Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange is back. Uh, you know, it, there's so many. John Farbro plays Happy Hogan. Marissa Tomei plays Aunt May. Jamie Foxx is back. You know, Electro. J.B. Smoove is a teacher. <laughs> William Defoe, Benedict Wan, Alfred Molina. You know, it, it's Andrew Garfield. You know, Toby McGuire, Charlie Cox. 
Rise Ethan's, Thomas Hayden Church, on and on and on. The the stars, Hannibal Buress is you know plays. So they all have all their parts, and it's about you know Spider Man trying to you know make people forget his identity because the last movie they they outed him you know and J.K. Simmons you know uh, and and so it, it's it's uh, it's a fun movie. It's definitely two bags of candy. I'm giving it two bags of candy because when it connects you know, the other uh, movies that we all wanted another part for Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Sam Raimi did those. Well, the cool thing is Sam Raimi is directing the new, you know, Doctor Strange. So that's that's coming full circle for him as well. You know, so with, with you know, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, almost like the first three movies are kind of the, the introduction to him because they're already making more movies. And thanks to Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige for the producers to come together and to really share Spider-Man worlds. You know, the end scenes is is it's tying up Venom. And so now it's cool because you can watch Spider-Man and you can watch the amazing Spider-Man, the movies, and know that they're a part of this deal. So it is amazing. But Go check it out. I don't want to give too much away. Two bags of candies. Just remember, No Way Home. We could talk about it on another time. I may bring some people on to talk about it. But, you know, once again, thanks again for joining. I'm trying to keep these things short to about 30 minutes. So just remember, uh, this Spider-Man No Way Home has heart. It's so good. I don't want to spoil too much. You know, I did a little bit, but just know that Spider-Man is, is, is awesome. And it... No Way Home kicks ass. There you go. Hey, love somebody, hug somebody, pick somebody up, help somebody out. Enjoy your week, everybody. Christmas is getting close. We'll do a Christmas movie marathon as well. I might shoot that out a little bit later. But God bless you. Have a good week, and I'll talk to you later.